Hi, my name is Sarah Bentley Pearson, and I am excited to share my podcast, which features wonderful talent that I've been so lucky to discover in the Southeast. This was born out of a list that I created in 2015 called Sarah's List, and through my work in real estate, which I've been doing since 2005, and styling work, and just my personal life and my personal interests, I've been able to meet so many wonderful people, and I'm excited to share them with you. So Beth, I'm, I feel really honored that you did this, that you took the time to come and talk to me and be one of the, the founding members of my podcast. You know, I'm just kind of going through the, my list of all the favorite people that I've been able to meet over the years, and you're definitely such a talent. And um, I got to kind of know you personally before I got to yeah. see your work. And um, through looking at your book, I feel like we have a lot in common more than I thought just sensibility-wise. So um, I'm honored to have you. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Oh, well, I just, I really enjoyed your book because there's kind of a common thread through talking to designers and architects. I've done Keith Summerauer and Young Pack and Melanie Turner. And John Howard right. and Melanie Turner. That, you know, I'm always fascinated by how people get their eye. And I feel like I have kind of a good eye, too. You have a great eye. I've been in your house. Thank you. Like, I mean, I'm not a designer. And you've dressed me. <laughs> well, I thought a lot of my friends, you know, I feel lucky that people have asked. Suzanne was the first person who kind of brought that out in me. But I really am always impressed with how people can really execute all the way through with a very cohesive look. And I looked at your video with your husband today on YouTube, and I loved it. I loved seeing you with your husband. I know. It's kind uh, of a love story. And yes. I mean, it is a love story. And quite frankly, it should be a love story. But, you know, he had that house and he had, the, he's had, he built the house 13 years And it's a cool ago. house. Oh. He's you a, must have been like, holy shit, this I, is my man. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, you know, I was actually very lucky he had two sofas and a lamp too. Mm -hmm. So I really got to do the house. Right. Um, you know, he was he was fabulous at conceptualizing it and designing it with Jim Choate. And then he and his son built it. So themselves. I mean, like they hired the, the contractors subs. and everything, but they, they hired all the subs, mm -hmm. but they did it. And, and that's a complicated house. And I love how there was glass on both sides. So you really could see the water and then see the marsh. And we live in an aquarium. Yeah. It's, and the, I love how the, you said the ant, you all are in the zoo and the animals were looking at you all. And it's totally true. Yeah. It was, it just is great. And I, I love how you said texture is your color or something. It has but become I've, a real catchphrase. I wish I had that prior to the product launch, but it has, I mean, it's true. And, you know, I am very sort of um, tonal, just intrinsically, because I need that serenity in my life. And I think that I actually do it subconsciously, but the way to make it interesting is to add the texture. And texture is very delft. You have to be careful with that. Too much is too much. Too little is too little. And so it's all about mixing it up in order to make that interior really sing. Yeah, and it's funny because when I go into a space that's very tonal, like the way you do it, I'm 
I'm always really impressed with the restraint. Somehow I'm I'm drawn to color. And then when I see a house that's so restrained, I'm like, oh, you know, that's, it's just, it's such a great aesthetic. And I think you have to do what feels right to you, but I think you do it so well. And it's a very specific, calm, sophisticated look. I, I also like in your house how there were a lot of like details to lifestyle, like how you said the bar was in the center of the space. And then think it showed your husband making a little cocktail and that you come into this room and you sit there and it's very beautiful and you're thinking about the lifestyle which is what I've heard a lot from the designers. Well the ergonomics are super important and in my in in my mind I mean if a house isn't comfortable no one wants to be in it so you walk into a house that's all leggy and has a lot of little tiny chairs and but that's how we grew up yeah and that is I mean it's a lot of how we grew up Mm -hmm. but comfort's key and you know I am so keen on that comfort factor when Mm -hmm. I'm designing Mm -hmm. and the usability of the space. I don't like a room to go unused in a house. I agree. So I don't like the empty dining room that's only used once Mm -hmm. on, you know, Christmas or that space that, you know, the super formal living room. If You you can do a super formal living room as long as it has comfortable chairs Mm -hmm. and people want to really go be in it. So again, it's it's just imperative in my mind that everyone has a comfortable seat and that th- it and it moves well. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think that's the real genius of decorating now because I grew up my father um after my parents got a divorce became an antique dealer. And then my mom Yeah, and my mother married a diplomat and ironically I'm reading Anderson Cooper's book about the Vanderbilts right now and he was of that generation. Right. He went to the right schools. He grew up in Providence. You know, we had candlelit dinner, but he was old hat. I mean, he he was still living in it by the time I was a kid, but it was really moving out of that. And everything in our house was not comfortable. Mm-hmm. It was dark primary colors, you know, and old portraits that were kind of scary. Of and dead people. That yeah, you dead know. people that I didn't know. And, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's kind of cool for me reading this book because it's bringing me back in my mind to an era that is really gone now, mm-hmm. which is good and bad. I loved reading in your book about your dad's mother, your grandmother. My grandmother. Yes. And my father's mother reminded me of your mother, grandmother, like the the freshly ironed sheets and the meticulous space that that the little small luxuries that aren't necessary. I mean, iron, iron sheets imply staff. Well, iron <laughs> sheets is the great, they're the greatest luxury in the world. Yeah, because mean, nobody has you, them anymore. Well, even if you just take them to the cleaners yes. and uh-huh. have them done. If mm-hmm. you don't have someone to do it, right. I mean, treat yourself every now and then and take them to the cleaners and make up your bed with freshly laundered sheets. Yes. It's a gorgeous thing. It is. And, and it's it, something that I've become annoyingly accustomed to. <laughs> well, I mean, but I think I think as we age, we think about the things that really bring joy. I mean, at least for me, and I'm sure for you, when you... Particularly the last few years. 
I mean, we were at home. Mm -hmm. I was polishing my own silver Mm -hmm. because my husband's high risk, so our housekeepers couldn't come Mm -hmm. for quite a while. But you know that brought you joy. And I loved, I loved polishing, and I ironed the sheets. Yeah, I did iron. Yeah, I've ironed some sheets. It's just now my life's more busy, and I just can't do it. But I had a past housekeeper. I mean, she's still my housekeeper, but she actually taught me a couple of tricks. Iron the pillowcases, iron the top band of the flat sheet. Right. You don't have to iron the whole sheet. Mm-hmm. And you really don't need to iron the fitted sheet. But at least it gives you the illusion mm-hmm. of having a completely pressed bed. Yes. So I took the shortcut during COVID and I did <laughs> just, just the pillowcases, which took it in and of itself a long time. But, you know, there's something very zen about that, just standing in an ironing board. Girl, I'm not afraid. Yeah. I, I, I will do things like that because... When I got divorced and I moved into my smaller house and um, I really narrowed in on what made me happy at that time in my life because it wasn't a particularly happy time. And I did this course called Life Book and you broke your life down into categories. And, you know, I realized I love beautiful flowers. I love I mean, fresh cut flowers and candlelight for dinner. It doesn't get any better than that. We do it all the time. Yeah. And you wrote in your book about... um, Sunday suppers. Sunday suppers. And I had Sunday supper with you with the bolognese. Yes, you did. And I and your your table was beautiful. And it, you know, I I really it's it's so frustrating because I feel like so many of these arts have have gone by the wayside. But this isn't But there's about- still shortcuts. And I mean, you know, the beauty of it is you don't have to spend a day slaving over the stove for the bolognese. You can actually go to Storica Fresca. They make a mean bolognese. Right. You pick it up and all you have to do is the pasta. Right. And you get the salad that's already ready to toss. Right. But I still set the table. Mm -hmm. And my children, we had everyone for Thanksgiving a few years ago. And I had this huge long table brought in from Shane Robach. It was a 17th century refectory table. And we put it in front of the fireplace in South Carolina. And we had 18 people for three consecutive nights. And stupid wow. me, silly me, I didn't get help. Oh, like, Lord. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'll do that. <laughs> we had, no, that's not true. I had caterers for one night. And then we gave KP duty to the kids. And these are our grown children. And at the end of it, they were like, um, you know, paper napkins, they're really, I mean, quite handy. And mm-hmm. I'm like, the day I put a paper napkin <laughs> on the Thanksgiving table is the day that I I don't know. You won't know who I am anymore. Well, see, I grew up with my parents would flip out if there was like a ketchup table bottle on the table. Oh, yeah. You know, like that's in such bad taste. And now, you know, it's like the kids are putting the ketchup and everything. Oh, my kids I'm laugh. Like, I mean, oh, my God. And it still annoys me. And then I think, Sarah, you're the only one it's annoying, so you better chill. But it it, it is so important. And I mean, everybody should have good table manners, but also have a set of beautiful table. And it doesn't have to be. You it's know, a lost art. It is a lost art. And, and and I think it's penduluming. I think it's coming back. I do think. Who, where, when, why, what? Well, like who? I, well, I mean, my daughter just got married. I had to say, well, sweetie, you're going to need that 14 place set. Place, I mean, that 14 piece place setting because ultimately I'm not going to be hosting that dinner anymore. You're going to be the hostess. Right. And people are going to be coming to your house. Uh And you've watched me do it, and I've watched you over the years. Everything that you said you wouldn't do because of me, you are doing. We all turn into our mothers, ultimately. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, and I think that, that, you know, what they'll remember is the, just the gentility of the, and the love that goes into setting that table and creating that space mm. and making it special. And I hope that our children remember that. And honestly, if I have something catered, I'm, I'm, I'm literally whispering in the caterers here. I'm like, if the boys come to the table with a beer bottle, go behind them with a glass and pour it into the box. I agree. Yeah. But I mean, these are, these are the subtleties that really make memories. And now at this time in my life, um, you know, it's really about the experiences for me yeah. and slowing things down. And your home is, you know, I always say that, yes, real estate's a great investment, but you should really enjoy it every time you walk every in. Every day. Every day, yeah. It is your sanctuary. And, you know, a, a well-designed home done by somebody like yourself is also creates value. You know, Huge value. Yes. I mean, it's unbelievable the stories I have. Mm -hmm. I do a whole podcast on that. Right. On how quickly the designed house sells as opposed to the non-designer house. Yeah, and I'd love. That's. I mean, that's know, actually. That's I'd love to hear that. Study. Yeah, that's a that's a great segue. I, you know, when I talk to Young and Keith about how people were li living, one of the things like you said about like a dining room that nobody uses, Keith said that that dining room had actually moved outside, and then there'd be heaters, and maybe the floors would be heated Correct. and whatever. But that people were moving their um, their dining rooms more, you know, outside or closer to the outside so they could see it's moved to the back of the house well, and so of the many front people are doing the multi I mean they're multiple dining spaces I mean we created dining spaces in our house we ate 363 dinners there mm -hmm. I mean I wasn't counting really but I was <laughs> right. and that is actually an accurate number and so in order to make it interesting we created I mean we created the outdoor terrace and we created another two different dining venues within that house during that time. Mm -hmm. But our clients are asking us for a lot more versatility in that respect. Um, so they want several outdoor dining areas. I mean, the outdoor kitchen is huge right now, if you can get an appliance. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yes. But yeah, I think, I think, um, I, yeah, I'd like to hear from you about what clients are asking for now. Well, there is, a, I mean, there's a lot of versatility with the dining, multiple dining, multiple kitchen, catering kitchen, primary kitchen, sculleries, yes, mudrooms, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're doing the double ovens with the steam oven, with the warming drawers, um, of course, the home office, but that goes back to the dining room. I mean, to make your dining room sort of multifunctional, we were just in Antwerp at Axel's castle. Right. I saw and that on Instagram. So his formal dining room was completely layered with books. It was a huge library table. Mm. And yet they'd had a whole house full of guests the weekend before. But his study is off the dining room. So he uses it sort of as an ancillary space to sort of go in and do his research, I think. And I'm speaking for him. I don't really know that to be a fact. But the table was covered with books. And I have many, I have several clients who've done that. They, they create a dining room so it can be, I mean, we've, we've surrounded them in bookcases, hidden a TV so that that space becomes used more frequently and, and can multitask. And I've heard, I heard also that, 
you know, closets, you know, aren't just for hanging clothes. They've really become this, you know, space that you, a sanctuary. Well, I had a closet who, I mean, a client who did a closet with her 435 pairs of Manolos. And then she had a chaise and she had her desk and she had her computer and she had her packing table. She was living in her closet. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Well, I think, I think there's something kind of nurturing about that. I, I, I feel like I would even like a space that would have a meditation space. We're doing a lot of those because you want, it's really hard with pets and kids to find a place that's quiet to hide. And I think that that, that might be a big reason why as well. And of course, we like our clothes. We do like to look at our clothes. <laughs> yeah. And the one with the that I was just talking about, she would have me come out annually and rearrange her purses and her, you know, evening bags, style her closet. Oh, really? And the Manolos. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it is we we collect those things often well, more than we actually use them. Right. You know, and And she loved to look at them, Mm -hmm. which is why she liked to live in her closet. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I, and how are, what do you, are you big into putting art into people's homes? Is that something you do as well? I actually just went to New York to the winter show and I spent four days in New York. I have one client who's collecting fairly seriously and another we just went to Houston with last week to do art too, art and antiques. So, you know, that's the fun part of our job. Mm -hmm. That's you know, that was my first love mm-hmm. and a passion for me is the art. So to be involved, um, I mean, art can make or break a house too. Bad art can ruin it. Yeah, I heard one designer talk about this like horrible art that they insisted oh, on having. God. She's like, what am I going to do with this? You take it down for the photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and you put something else up. Right. Right. And are you educating your clients? Like I uh, love America Martin and Melanie turned me on to America Martin. And I, I own a lot of stuff from Jackson Fine Art. And well, I love photography. Yeah. I have a client with a major photography collection. And the nice thing about it is as a designer and having been an art dealer, I know it and I love it. Mm-hmm. And the client I was shopping for in New York is interested in collecting um 19th and early 20th century European and American, which is sort of my field house. Oh, wow. So um, my wheelhouse. But anyway, that's been a lot of fun for me to be back in that world and to visit old friends and to educate them on, you know, I call it trading up. So, you know, they're at a point in their life where they're trading up. They had one sort of collection and Mm -hmm. now they're upping their ante and doing something a little different. Have you seen the movie The Lost Leonardo? No, I almost watched that on the. Oh, it's I almost watched fabulous. that last night. It's fabulous, and um, you know, it's just the the art world is very interesting, and and I find that the older I get, the more obsessed I am with art because it it's it's well, it feeds your soul. Yeah, it does feed, and it it tells a story and. Um, it really makes a house so interesting. And so I see these beautiful edited houses and I was um, telling, I think, I think I was talking to Anna about this, that when I first moved to Atlanta, I didn't really see a lot of great art. And now I'm really seeing a lot more and I, I, I'm excited about that. I feel like Todd Murphy kind of started something here, maybe a curiosity. Well, honestly, Jane Jackson, I mean, right. you know, I mean, that's a very serious gallery Mm -hmm. in the world of fine photography Mm -hmm. and 
you know, Jane was sort of at the, you know, the forefront of all of that. And so, you know, she's really cared over the years about the, you know, the community and how we collect and educating other people. And, you know, that's, that's a great thing. That's what we need. Yeah. And I mean, New York, New York is, when you go to New York, you know, there's well, There's that's like, daunting. Yeah, if you don't know any, if you don't, if you don't know art, then yeah. that's going to be very confusing for you. Well, and without it's, a good, without someone to guide you, right? And it's it, the price points can be really aggressive, and right. you're like, what? You yeah. know. <laughs> Whereas I, you know, but I've always enjoyed finding things and using my eye uh, and finding something new. And you know, I did that with Anna, and was it was really exciting to see it happen. And I've done a little bit of art consulting just for two or three people have asked me to help. And it's just about seeing that subtlety of what makes something good. And I think you really have that eye and you can, I just love what you did with your house, with your husband. It just, it it was so warmed up and it was showing you even just putting the detail at the end of the bed. It's, it's those little touches of that, that look collected. It looked a lot of things. Well, like, and it, it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've had a great time together and we, we have a pack that we both have to agree. So, you know, when we find something, we both have to love it mm. or it not the first go around. You heard the story about the table, I think, but, but now when we, when we do do anything, we do buy something, we both have to agree that it's something we both love. And there's a story behind it. I just added two pieces of art to South Carolina. They arrived last Friday and I took them down. And I wanted work by this one particular artist for a really long time. And I had not been able to find it. And I went to the winter show and lo and behold, I saw the gallery had a piece. And then I was like, do you have more? And I went the next day and they pulled some in from the warehouse. And and I walked in and I it just knew where it needed to live. And I put it in the room and it transformed the space. It's this big. Mm-hmm. And you know the volume of that big room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably a hard room to decorate in a lot of ways. It's a very difficult mm-hmm. room with the multiple seating areas. But when I put that one painting on the mantelpiece and I sat it, just sat it on the stone mantel that's only this Right, deep. you just leaned it up. Just against, leaned it mm-hmm. up. And I was like, I cannot believe how much that changed the entire room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I actually... Um, I did a powder room at my house now, and it was with Michelle Bradley's, the title water paper. Um, and the paper was so nice. I, 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 didn't want, I didn't want to put a hole in it. So there's a photograph of my mother that's really cool that looks super regal. So I just have it leaned against leaned. the mirror. In the, and I love doing that. I mm-hmm. love layering mirror art, art, art. And I do a lot of that. What are some tricks that you do that you think are kind of signature? I don't know if they're tricks. I think I call them happy accidents more more than anything else. I mean, you know, I put art on the floor. I put art on a stack of books. I put, you know, I mean, again, you, we do things so subconsciously. When I wrote that book, I had to figure out a lot of why I do what I do. Mm. I do work in triangles. It's so strange. You know, everyone says do an odd number, not an even number. Mm-hmm. Well, but what I, do you mean? Do you when do I, the spacing furniture in a room? So when I'm looking at a space and I'm accessorizing, let's just take a bookshelf. Mm-hmm. If I put one piece here, I subconsciously put something that mirrors it there and another something oh, that interesting. creates that triangle for your eye oh. to move. Mm-hmm. 
And the same thing goes for a room. It may be a spot of black here, a spot of black here, a spot of black there. Every room needs a little bit of black. Mm. But you do what you do sort of subconsciously, and you don't really figure it out until someone, like the writer, says, why why do you do that? Or you say, what do you have a signature? You know, I think, you know, my thing is I do edit a lot. Editing's very hard. Minimal is hard. It is hard. It's the hardest thing any of us do. Well, and I know the the rule about like you should take one piece of jewelry yeah, on and to off. I'm oh. always adding another. Right. Like with jewelry, I'm like more is more. But I agree. In a home, you know, I don't want to see. Well, I, I, I don't mind collect you know collective accessories because it's hard to refrain no, from I can buying do, them. Yeah, the little things. Yeah, the little move around. Yeah, that you move around, but. You want only like the pretty things. Like right. if, if there's anything ugly, I want to, you know, I want to take it out. And my like husband... I take the paperbacks out of the bookshelves. I mean, a lot of my clients put paperbacks in the no. bookshelves. Or they'll call me. I mean, a lot of my clients will call me and say, okay, it's the annual declutter me. Mm-hmm. So come on over. And when I do that, I literally will walk in a room and I'll sweep everything off the shelves, tables, everything else. I will stage them in another area where I can't see them. And then I'll go in and play with the objects or whatever it is I'm doing. And then I'll go back in and put them in a different place. Same thing with art. You quit seeing art if you don't move it around. Oh, that's a good tip. Yeah, I, I, I'm i always sort of tweaking and refining. And my husband was funny when we um, moved in together. And he had his things and I had my house. And uh, I just said, most of that just can't come. <laughs> And we, we do a lot of that yeah, marriage counseling. I do, it just can't come. And, right. Um, he he said, well, you really do have the queer eye for the straight guy. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I I like to, when you, it's kind of like, you know, everything for me goes back to quality, which is something that I really realized with you in reading your book, is that you're a very quality-oriented person. Um, I remember that when we met that, you wore um, Portrait of the Lady perfume. Still do. And I still, you know, that perfume, I loved it on you, but I never loved it on me. But you are sort of a portrait of a lady, you know, the way you, you, it's like how to live well. And it, it, it's, it's very, it's, it's very, feels like it's of another era, like we discussed earlier. And I think, you know, a lot of people didn't grow up fortunate enough to have somebody showing them those little subtleties. And and honestly, I had mentors too. So aside from, you know, a grandmother or mother or whatever, I mean, I had two really elegant women that were in my life, the whole of my life. One was a next door neighbor and she, she was an interior, is an interior designer and she lived very graciously and I started babysitting for her when she, I was like 10 years old, literally, mm. believe it or not. That's mm-hmm. pe- when people. Yeah, were, I, like, I started babysitting yeah, I mean, at a really young age. But she, you know, she was she was super sophisticated when it came to art, furniture, clothes, food, everything. And then my stepmother was, I mean, not my stepmother, my um, godmother was too, very sophisticated, like Women's Wear Daily sophisticated. Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate in that I had those role models that really taught me to see the world in a different way. Well, and it's funny how you pick things up. I mean, my first boyfriend's mother 
was super glamorous. And I somehow, when I, when I met her, I thought, I want to be just like her. You aspire to be that. Yes. And, you know, my, my mother was a very chic lady, but she was more restrained and traditional. And my boyfriend's mother, her name is Leslie Jewett. And she had this silvery long gray hair and she was always tan. And she just was so Did like, she smoke? No, she didn't smoke. <laughs> no, she was too, po- no, she was super healthy. Oh God. Like she had a great body and she just didn't dye her hair because she actually looked good with silver gray right. hair, which not many people do, no. but she rocked it. And you know, she just, it well, she wore like a lot of Charles Jordan back then in the eighties. Right. And like, she just looked hot and cool <laughs> and, but not tacky, yeah. you know, just very, very chic. And it's interesting how people, how as young people, we pick things up and one of the threads or the, the themes that has come to me is that, you know, the, the eye doesn't see what the mind doesn't know. And just how was for you, it sounds like you traveled a good bit too. I did. I mean, I went abroad Mm -hmm. and I stayed there for three years and, and then I was at Sotheby's and literally my, the head of the program for the works of art there, he said, you learn by looking. Right. And I tell I tell the young designers in my office that all the time. You have to look and look and look and look. And eventually that, that sen- the aesthetic sensibility will sink in. Continue to look at all those beautiful things. And then you're going to, it's like osmosis. Um, at, at some point, you inherently know what's good and what's not. You learn scale by looking. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And, you know, my mother dragged us all around museums. She was a real art history buff, and um, I was telling and I friends, was an art history major. Oh yes, well, see, and now I'm reading about the Vanderbilts and think it's interesting. Whereas when I was a kid, I was like, "Mom, <laughs> you're so not current." You know, right. it was very boring. And she would, you know, when we lived in Berlin and going to all these museums, and she, you know, I remember specifically being in Florence, and we were, you know, it, at the Uffizi, yeah, and yeah. seeing like the Leonardo da Vinci's, and I was like. Can we go to Benetton? <laughs> but, you know, even though I was like trying not to look to irritate my mother, it's sinking it's, in. It's sunk in yeah, just via osmosis. You yes, were there. I was there. And you it's subliminal. So mm-hmm. you pick up on how the Italian man is dressed with his burnt orange trousers and his, you know, I mean, it's in Paris. You watch, you, you're watching people on the street mm-hmm. and it can't help but affect your style sensibility. Right, right. Because everyone's beautiful. And Copenhagen. I actually don't think that's true. When I was in Paris, it depends which on you were part, part of Paris. that trip, where I, my last time that I was in Paris, I actually didn't think that the be- the women were particularly beautiful. It's it's all oh, how it's the style. It's the style. It's the subtle and like the how the children are dressed yeah. and how it it's, you know you go into Lauderay and they you know even the person it. it's beautiful <laughs> yeah japan's the same way yeah the, oh i haven't been to japan but the you detail, have to put that on yeah, your bucket I hear, list. I hear that that is like just it's life-changing yeah another you know it's so different from it, it's like being on mars but it's so life-altering mm. from an aesthetic standpoint everything is well you can you know lick the floor right. in any space that you go into even their recycling is tied up like origami. 
So I'm super psyched about my sponsor for the podcast. She's a great friend of mine and also a previous guest. Her name is Lisa Stein. Her work is stunning. We all layer it and wear it all the time. It's great jewelry to wear day to night. I barely go a day without it, and I think you would too once you start collecting it. She's been so nice to give all of my listeners a discount. When you go to lastein.com, you put in Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, 15, and you will get a discount. Just put in Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, 15. Your look is very, uh, it's right. I don't know how to really, if I'm saying that properly, but I feel that. Are there, um, for our listeners, you know, especially, especially somebody who might want to be a designer, I know we talked about traveling. Did you assist a designer? How did you really get into the business? No, my aunt was actually an interior designer. I mean, she was a decorator. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm a What's decorator. the difference? Well, I'm a decorator. But so, you know, my aunt, though, conversely, would, you know, she'd walk in and she'd help people with their houses. I mean, redecorate their house. Mm. It, when I became sort of, when I got into this, you know, school of hard knocks, I didn't know what I didn't know. Ignorance was bliss. And so, you know, I just pummeled headfirst into the world of, not knowing what I didn't know. But I learned very quickly and had a lot of people who helped me. And then, you know, having the art history background, you, there are a lot of great designers who do not have a design degree. They literally came, came at it from the world of interior design. I mean, came at it from the world of art history or, you know, Daryl Carter was an attorney. That's right. And right. Daryl, but Daryl Carter used really like traditional forms yes. and just like throw them on in white. Like right. a Chippendale, and it was white. I mean, um, Charlotte Moss was on Wall Street. So there are a lot of us that are self-taught. Mm. And But the difference is, I mean, for me, as far as that distinction right now between interior designer and decorator, we do a lot of new construction. And when you get into the The decorator or the interior designer? The interior designer. Right. So, I mean, when you're elevating things and you're doing CAD all day long and you're doing all the things that we're doing, that's more interior design. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of people that decorate that mm-hmm. don't have to have that skill set. Well, see, and when people have said to me, well, why don't you do interior design? I'm like, the idea. And of, you could. But but the idea of having a plan and deciding the vision prior to it, you know, seeing yeah, we're the do, space. We're we, doing, that's very, we're that's doing very the furniture unique. plans. Yeah, that's we're a doing, very unique yeah. talent. Or we're doing the skill. finished schedules. We're yeah. doing the hardware schedule. We're doing the slab. We're doing the, you know, we're doing all of that. We're right. doing kitchen design. and. You know, all those things, I think, sort of separate the definitions, maybe. Um, and there's probably someone who's going to listen to this and say, oh, my God, that's just balderdash. But it is true. And, it, you know, it can be self-taught. I mean, I don't have enough hours of my day to do CAD anymore. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't do. I mean, our company does, but I'm not physically doing a digital rendering right well you're i mean people are coming to you for i do not have the technological inspiration and the vision you know you can't do everything but do you do you feel so you so your point is that people can come to it from lots of different angles angles. and i think like it just needs to be a passion right Mm -hmm. it needs to be what keeps you up at night right and you know prior to an installation i'm going to probably wake up six times in the middle of the night worrying about did we get the you know the 
brackets from de Gournay, or I mean, where are these in shipping? Mm-hmm. We're 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 constantly stru- you know fretting over the details, right? And it, and it is unforgiving. It, the no, it is unforgiving. So um, when my husband and I bought our house, I had Young come over. I'm like, what should I do? And you know, I'm asking all the talents of you know because it's a red brick house, which is not really everybody wants a white brick house and. But it was such a big house. I was trying to figure out how to not do it. And so how would I do the trim? And I mean, I labored over that. For, because you're passionate But about I got it. it right. And, you know, you, you just have to really. But but then again, you know, not everybody could labor over it. Because when you see it done wrong, you're like, why did they think about that? I, I hope they just made that decision in a second. Because if they put some time into it, they messed it up that bad. But it it is it is like a real there's so much, there's so much nuance to it. And I guess, um, you know, you came to it being from the art world and, and growing up and, and, um, so. But it was also always intrinsically a hobby of mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't you know it was, it. I didn't know it was going to be a profession, mm-hmm. but I loved doing, you know, our first houses. And I mean, it was, I, you know, I would live, well, the first house I actually made my own curtains. Well, back when people knew how to sew, like my mom knew and how to sew. And my grandmother sewed. Yeah, well, people did yeah. back then. Like I wouldn't Both even attempt to hem a pair of pants now. No. Like, <laughs> well, I know it'd be very badly done. Yeah, me, me too. But it, it that was like you know a very different different time and what people did. And now everything's sourced out. Like yeah. we we I mean, I barely want to cook a meal anymore. And our kids order Uber Eats, which makes my blood boil. I'm like, we need to get these kids to know how to do a few things and that and I think I think decorating a home is really kind of a talent and not everybody needs a designer but I uh, Melanie said that um that one should hire a designer more earlier than you think what is your opinion I actually agree with that I mean you know I have a lot of people come to me and they say I can pick it out I can't put it together Mm -hmm. so yeah there's a real art to putting it together Mm -hmm. and um you know our kids have grown up with restoration hardware they've grown up with you know all the catalog world and now all the digitally online world that they can just order and and you know amazon brings it to you the next day or the same day as the case may be so you know but they've realized how difficult it is to put it together mm-hmm. and the other thing that i tell my children all the time because they're 32 to 39 and i have a daughter-in-law that's a very talented interior designer she knows how hard it is mm-hmm. And a lot of them don't know. And it's really, really, they're really expensive mistakes to be made. And, you know, we shouldn't be looking at our furniture as disposable. Well, right. And I feel like if even if you're a young person, you know, and you knew a young designer, you could pay them for their time just to get a a little guidance. Well, my daughter and her husband just bought a farm um, near Rome, Georgia, and they hired an architect. And they're using, of course, me as their designer, but she's 33 and she can. But I think even if she didn't have me, I think she'd be hiring a designer. Right. I think, well, what I've, I've always felt like, you know, the life I wanted to live, I could never quite afford. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I met young and my ex-husband and I were talking about building a house and I wanted to do it all a certain way. I'm like, well, then we can't afford it. Right. You know, when I, re- I if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. But I have always paid for guidance. Well, you know, there's also the expert, which is this new sort of, have you heard of it? No. Okay. So it's a new sort of avenue that people can take. 
they can get an hour of my time. They can get an hour of Mark Sykes' time. They can get an hour of whomever. I mean, you can go to their platform and oh. there are a lot of us on it. And you literally pay for an hour. And these everyone who's used it and called me, they come to me because they've been Zooming now for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And they have their plans and they're pulling up their plans and they have all their questions and they have everything laid out. And they can meet with, you know, an A-plus interior designer. That is wonderful. And as many times as they want to, when I say but it's that, a higher hourly rate, of it's course. a higher hourly rate, but you know, it, it's a brilliant idea mm -hmm. that was spawned during, you know, what we've just been through. And, you know, it's a, it's a way, and I've actually had several younger interior design, I'm sorry, younger people call me because they don't want to, they don't feel comfortable going all in with an interior right. designer. Right, like, oh, you know, some of the minimums are really, you know, right. gobsmacking. Like, well, how am I going to do that? But like I said, you know, I hired John Howard to come to my old house on Valley Road just to tell us what to do. Right. And I was happy to pay his time because yes. he saw things I never would have seen because he has such a trained eye. And, and he's done 4,000 projects. Yes, and I think that I think that's, that's great advice. Well, I don't want to keep you too long because people don't, they, they don't have hours to listen, but <laughs> yeah. I could talk to you for hours for sure. For hours. Um, so, so your, um, website is just bethweb.com. It's just bethweb.com. And, um, are you doing, uh, any new exciting projects that you just want to tell anybody about? We've got a lot going on and all of it's exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're, it's, it's been absolutely fascinating to watch the market right now. And to you're telling me and get the calls that we're getting yes, and crazy. the clients that we're getting mm -hmm. and the places that we're Are working. you having a southern migration too? Um we're, clients from other parts of the country moving here? Well, they're moving everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're working all over the place. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am on a plane again, you know, once a week. Wow. So mm -hmm. we're as far west as LA, we're as far north as Canada, we're as far south as Naples. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy out there and we don't see any indication of it stopping. Well, I think just soon. people really narrowed in on what's where important. Where they wanted to be. Where, and, you know, and with people not being able to travel or it's, you know, I was going to go to St. Bart's next month and then just all the, the, everything they make you go through to go into a country and we were only going did, for four days. I did three countries, no, four countries in 10 days recently mm -hmm. oh my god that was crazy I don't know what I was thinking yeah but I mean it's it, it, it's it's not as fun no. as it used to be so people were like well let, if we can't go to Paris let's make the house feel well, like Paris and I think too I mean I think people just really realized how important their homes were right mm -hmm. regardless of 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 you know what happened I mean it's we were there mm -hmm. and everyone was home I remember the first few weeks, you know, two weeks, um, two years ago in March, and my husband and I were like, okay, well, what are we going to do? We did all these like house projects together and everybody was eating dinner together. And I thought it was really fun for like a month or two. But then I was like, once the schools started coming oh, out no. and I was a short order cook, I was like, I hate this. Yes. No. Yeah. If I had had small children yes. at home, I might have slipped my wrist. Yeah. But I mean, I can't imagine. But, you know, Chuck and I, it was the sabbatical. I never had. I right. never had the luxury of having. Right. You could read a book. 
Yeah, I could read it. Well, I mean, we were very busy. We were on Zooms all the time. But the interesting thing is just not to have to deal with the travel Mm -hmm. and the work Mm -hmm. because the travel adds another layer to your already frenetic life. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to stay put and to be in such a beautiful place, we were in South Carolina, um, that was just, that was pure luxury in my book. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, having your home be beautiful and feel like vacation is where it's at. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) 